Well, good morning. Good morning. I am uh, Pastor Clary Butler. If this is your first time here, thanks so much for coming to Heartland Church. And uh, before we get started, I, I don't get a chance to do this often, but I just want to honor my coach. He's my mentor. He's our pastor. Would you bless God for Darren Chesky today? He does such a tremendous job. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. And I am uh, extremely grateful for this opportunity to be able to share uh, with you guys today. Um, today, Peter uh, provides, as we continue this series called The Script, he, he provides a prescription for us to have a clear mind focusing on the things that God may be up to in our lives. And so uh, we're going to do that today uh, just by understanding six affirmations or how God views us the way that God looks at us in spite of everything else. Uh, there are six things that Peter points out in First Peter, the second chapter. And then um, there are four points that's a part of the prescription that we want to share, and then we will be done. Um, let's jump right in, turn your Bibles on or open your Bibles. I just want to read this, this one verse, and then we'll go through the other verses uh, as we get to them, but I, for the sake of time, I just want to read this one verse. It's First uh, Peter, the second chapter, and the sixth verse. And uh, it's our custom to stand. We can stand for the for the reading of the Word of God. First Peter, the second chapter, and the sixth verse. Just one verse. The Bible says, "As the Scriptures say, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, chosen for great honor." And anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced, will never be ashamed. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for this amazing opportunity today. You've, you have uh, given us the chance of new life and the chance at new blessings. And so we want to just clear our minds and focus our hearts so that we can fully receive everything that you have for us, fully receive. And so we, we're open to all of the possibilities you have for our lives. Dear God, we don't want to hold anything back from you, and we don't want you to hold anything back from us. Uh, we pray these blessings, and may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Lord, you are my strength. You are our redeemer. In Jesus' name. If you agree with that prayer, would you say amen? Amen. God bless you. You may take your seats. So Peter is writing this letter. This is your first uh, time uh, being able to participate in the script or prescription of hope. Peter is writing this letter to the church at Asia Minor or the uh, believers that have been gathered in this Roman province in a place that we now call Turkey. And uh, Peter is writing this to these believers because they are going through suffering and struggles as new believers. And it's becoming increasingly difficult to continue to believe in this Christ. This letter has been written about 30 years, approximately 30 years after uh, the death and the resurrection and the ascension of Christ. And, and Peter's offering this prescription of hope saying, I know the things that you're going through. I understand your difficulties. And let me just provide... Uh, some some prescription for you, or let me just give you some hope. And uh, last time uh, we talked about, Pastor Darren talked about uh, us tasting of the goodness of God as sincere babes uh, desiring that milk or desiring that sincere milk so that we can grow. Well, after you have tasted of God's goodness, um, it's important to know, very important to know, that the enemy is going to try and come and, and to discourage you. He's going to try to come to discourage you. And the chief 
discouragement that he brings is an attack on your mind. I believe that the enemy knows if he can attack our mind, that he, he will somehow be able to control the destiny of our life. And we will just, um, we will submit to this mire of rejection. You know, it's amazing. Every time I read um, this particular portion of scripture, I, I, um, I'm amazed at how Jesus the Christ is seen as a lively stone. I'm amazed that they call him a lively stone because Jesus was a rock. He is the rock that the Bible, Peter, in fact, says was a rock that was rejected by the builders, the, the engineers, the architects, the builders. They, they were in their metaphysical building plan about to build a building, and they looked at Jesus, and they, they brushed him aside. He was the rock that the builders rejected, and he ended up becoming the head of the corner or the chief cornerstone. In other words, Jesus the Christ, the one that was rejected, now becomes the rock that every other stone is measured by. Every other stone is measured by. But he had to overcome that rejection. He had to overcome. Have you, have you ever been rejected? Have you ever felt rejected before? Um, I, I, too, have been rejected. Um, I know you see me in a suit now, and it looks like I've never dealt with any rejection, but... I have been, as a matter of fact, I, I was rejected um, after I had this, this crazy dream of being a player um, uh, for Alabama's football team, Alabama Crimson Tide. I, I had this crazy dream that I could, I could become a, a, a member of that team. And um, I, I was rejected because I went and I told my, my girlfriend at the time, my lady friend, and, um, and uh, when I told her, she said, are you crazy? They have 300-pound guys out there, and they're going to crush you. And um, needless to say, that was the last time that her and I ever talked. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but sometimes we feel this rejection. And I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. I can see it in your eyes. How could this guy be rejected? Of course he would make the football team 5'9", 165 pounds. <laughs> okay, okay. 5'8", 160 <laughs> Why are you guys like five? Okay, never mind. Let's, let's. So, so we all have felt that rejection before, right? It's a tremendous rejection when you try to do something and someone tells you you can't do it or they just overlook you or disregard you like you don't even matter. Um, somebody here undoubtedly has felt that rejection because one in ten adult Americans have admitted to being depressed. Eight million Americans on average every year are so depressed and so rejected and so hopeless that they commit suicide. And so rejection is out there, but either through a depressive state of being or a lack of hope, Peter is offering a prescription to be able to get us to overcome that. And the way that we can overcome that is by clearing our minds and understanding that God is up to something special in our life. God is up to something special. And so um, I know we've been to that point where we get a text message and it just ruins our entire day. We get an email or a telephone call. Sometimes we don't even want to pick up the telephone when we see a certain number on the caller ID. It's just because we just don't want our whole day to just have this horrible influence. Um, 
sometimes we're on our way to work and we get a flat tire or we get some negative news from the hospital or you know, from our children at school. It, it's just sometimes the little things that can just ruin everything. Have you ever been there? As a matter of fact, why, why don't you take just one second now and look at the person next to you and just give them a compliment. Tell them something nice. Just, just say something nice to the person next to you. Find something to say. <laughs> See, see, see how easy that is? See how easy that is? And maybe, maybe life would be a little easier if we would do more encouraging of one another and, and, and not be so depressed or so hopeless. And maybe life would be better if we could focus on the great things that God has for us and every day our minds would be like an etch-a-sketch and we could just erase everything, not worry about the cares of yesterday or what's going on tomorrow or the bills that are unpaid or the difficulties that are going on in life or the broken relationships or what's going on at your job. If you could just, just open your minds, clear your minds to the possibility that God has something amazing for you every single day. And I can assure you, even if you were to think of plans for yourself, those plans would be so small as compared to what God wants to do in your life. Do you believe that? Shout amen. Amen. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you can ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. And so if you've asked for it and God has not blessed you with it, or if you thought of it and it hasn't materialized in your mind already, then maybe God wants to do something far above and beyond what you have asked for or what you have thought of. That's what the Bible says. He's able to do exceeding abundantly. In other words, God wants to blow your mind. And so all we have to do is make sure that we have a clear mind so God can do what he desires to do. We can receive what God has for us. Here's the reality. Solomon uh, said in the Proverbs or Menopes or whoever wrote uh, the uh, Proverbs says that um, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And uh, Dr. Dewey Smith, a theologian, uh, from Georgia, from Atlanta, Georgia. He said that this, this is problematic because um, the thinking starts in the brain. It starts in the mind. It starts in the cerebrum, the cortex, the neocortex, the, uh, the thalamus, the hypothalamus, the medulla oblongata. That's, that's where the thinking starts. It comes from here. And so how can a man think in his heart? But, but Solomon said, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And so maybe he's saying as a man thinks psychologically in his heart cardiologically, so is he anthropologically. As a man, as a man thinks psychologically, uh, in his heart cardiologically, that's how his destiny is determined. In other words, you become what you think about. And so it's important to make sure that you maintain a clear mind so God can fill it up with his abundant blessings. Maybe that's why Paul said, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. He said to be carnally minded, to always focus on the cares of the world is death. But to be spiritually minded, always being open to the possibilities of God, that's life and peace. He said, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds and casting down all imaginations and every high thing or vain thing that tries to come against the knowledge of God. Yeah, Matthew said, which one of you can add uh, a single moment to your life by worrying? And so, since none of you can make any difference by just sitting there worrying, then you might as well let tomorrow worry about itself. Keep your mind clear so God can bless you. And so I want to uh, just share these uh, six things that will help us to keep a clear mind. Six things. These are six affirmations of how God views us. I want to be very clear about this. God looks at us differently than we look at ourselves and differently than how other people look at us. It's important to understand as we live our life, making sure that we maintain a clear mind how God sees us. Here's affirmation number one. We are living stones in a spiritual house. Verse number four reads, you are coming to Christ who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. The word there, temple or uh, house, is ecclesia in the original text, which means the church, uh, which means that we have been chosen to be under construction. We, we have been chosen to be a part of this church. It's, it's our responsibility to understand that God's going to be stretching us and shaping us and molding us and making us. And, and, um, and we're supposed to be hammered. We're... Well, not hammered. Um, <laughs> hammered. Hammered like construction. We're supposed to be hammered like construction because, because God wants to shape us and he wants to build us into, into this great temple. We are under construction. Somebody shout, I'm under construction. <laughs> I'm under construction. And so now maybe um, we can understand why difficulty comes in our life sometimes because um, it's supposed to be difficult sometimes. We're supposed to face suffering. This is what Peter was saying to these believers in Asia Minor. Um, you're supposed to deal with the sufferings. You're supposed to be persecuted because Christ, Christ is trying to do something great for you. Um, let, let me say it this way. There was this um, little, little girl who, who, um, who wanted her, her parents to buy her a pony. And uh, so she, she asked for the pony, could, could she have a pony? Could I have a pony? And her parents said, no, you can't have a pony, knowing the maintenance and the upkeep and how they would have to feed the pony. And, and after a while, she would probably get tired of the pony, and so they would have to take care of the pony. And so they said, no, you cannot have a pony. And uh, a couple of weeks later, she still wanted that pony. And so she asked, uh, could she please have a pony? And they said again, no, you cannot have a pony. And... Uh, a couple of weeks later, she asked again. She didn't forget what she wanted, and, and she asked. She said, could I please, pretty please, have a pony? And her parents said again, no, we're sorry. You cannot have a pony. And just then, the father thought, and he told, he told his wife, he said, um, I'm going to prove to her tomorrow why she really doesn't want a pony, why she really doesn't want a pony. And so he went out that next day, and he purchased, how do I say this? He purchased a pony excrement. Um, mess fertilizer fertilizer he purchased fertilizer and and he took the excrement and he he splattered it all across her room 
and on the door and on the doorknobs and, and all over the place. And when she came home from school that day, she smelled something. And uh, she went to her room and she looked up and she saw that it was all over the roof and all over the walls and her eyes lit up like a Christmas tree. She started looking under the bed and she started looking in the closet and looking in the bathroom and her parents said, what are you doing? And she said, with all of this pony mess, there must be a pony here somewhere. (laughs) And the reality is with all of the struggles that we have to go through in life, with all of the difficulty, there must be a blessing somewhere in store for you. Do you receive that? Affirmation number one is that we are lively stones or living stones. Affirmation number two, again, this is how God views us. Um, We are priests in the same temple. Verse number five. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. You are royal priests. How about that? You didn't think you were going to get... uh, ordained or consecrated as royal priest today. But, uh, but, but look at this. What do priests do? Priests offer spiritual sacrifices. You don't have to offer the sacrifice of sin. Christ has already done that. But um, priests, they, they offer the, the sacrifice of thanksgiving and honor. And so we have to praise the Lord all the time. Maybe that's why David said, I'll bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Priests offer prayer and represent the needs of others and they promote spiritual truths. And so today God is saying the way that I see you, the way that God sees you, is that you are royal priest. Affirmation number three, we are chosen for a new family. This is what God says. He says that I am choosing you for my new family. Verse number nine, you are a chosen people, God's very own possession. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. God chose you to be here today. I know you think that you chose this service and you chose this church, but the reality is God chose you even before the beginning of the world. He chose you to hear this portion of scripture today. He, he chose you. And if God chose you, it doesn't matter if you've been economically depressed because God chose you, you are now a part of God's people or God's family. It doesn't matter if you've been culturally oppressed because God chose you, you're now a part of God's family. It doesn't matter if you've been abused or abandoned or criticized or misunderstood because God chose you. You are now a part of his family. And can I, can I just offer some really, really good news? God doesn't choose losers. So if God chose you, you're guaranteed to win. All you have to do is just stay on the team, make sure you don't quit, and victory is yours. Somebody ought to shout amen. Affirmation number four, we are a holy nation. Again, this is how God sees us. God is looking at you. You used to be a, a, a ball of dust, and he breathed the breath of life into you, and he's now saying from that, you are now being transformed, and you are a holy nation. Verse nine, you are a holy nation, which means we're separated or set apart for a particular purpose. We're separated and set apart to represent him in the world, to be ambassadors of Christ. Affirmation number five, there are only six of these affirmations, but I think these are very important to understand how God views us. Number five, we are a people for God's own possession. Verse number nine, you are God's very own possession. Uh, King James Version says that we are a peculiar people, and that seems like we're strange, but the reality is we're just different because God chose us. He chose us for his own possession and for his own purpose. The last affirmation that I want to share is, 
is that we are God's people who have received mercy. Verse 10, once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. And I had to stop when I read this because I understand being a royal priest and chosen generation and a holy nation and all of these things, but um, the mercy thing I had to think about, I had to pray about, and the reality is um, we really don't want mercy. We, we want the, the, the benefactor of mercy. We want mer- what mercy can get us. In other words, we really don't want um, mercy. Um, first of all, we want the blessing, but Without mercy, we cannot get the blessing. We have to have God's mercy. And I am a beneficiary of God's mercy. I'm thankful for God's mercy. I have one more witness in the building of being thankful. There it is, two more witnesses of being thankful of God's mercy. Well, um, here's, here's the best way I can describe it. It was a little boy who was in a, who was in a grocery store with his mom one day, and um, he asked his mom for some cookies because children always want something. And uh, so he asked, he asked his um, mother, Mom, can I please have some cookies? And she said, no, Johnny, uh, you can't have any cookies. And about five minutes later, he asked for the same thing. Mom, can I please have some cookies? And she said, no, Johnny, you cannot have any cookies. Uh, And about 10 minutes after that, Johnny never forgot what he wanted. And he said, Mom, can I please have some cookies? And she said, no, Johnny, you can't have any cookies. He said, mom, why can't I have any cookies? And she said, because it's not on the list. We have a grocery list and cookies is not on the list. Just at that time, the pastor of the church walked in to the grocery store. The, 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 the doors of the grocery store opened up like the pearly gates. <laughs> and here comes the pastor walking in and he sees He sees Johnny and Johnny's mom, and he says, oh, it's so good to see you guys. You guys have been so faithful to the church. It's such a blessing to have you guys a part of our congregation. And Johnny's had perfect attendance, and he's been doing so phenomenally well in in youth church. And and as a matter of fact, can I buy you something? Johnny, what can I buy you? (laughs) And uh, and, uh, mom said, yeah, you can buy him something. Go right ahead. And he said, well, what do you want, Johnny? And Johnny said, I would like to have a pencil. And... uh, and he said, he said, well, why would you want a pencil? And Johnny said, so I can write cookies on the list. <laughs> the importance of receiving mercy is mercy is like that spiritual pencil that allows us to write anything on the list that we desire. It is only because of God's goodness and his mercy that we're able to obtain the blessings that we have. It's only because of his mercy that we can get a second chance and a third chance and a fourth chance. And I'm grateful, I don't know if anybody else is grateful, for, for all of these opportunities. Because the reality is all of us, like sheep, have gone astray. The reality is that, that we all have sinned and come short of God's glory. But I am so thankful for his mercy. Are you grateful for his mercy today? All right, so those are the affirmations. Those are the ways that God sees us. It is important, in order for you to have a clear mind, we're about to transition to the last four points, four points, that's a part of the prescription. But it's important for us to understand how God views us so that we can make those points impactful, the prescription impactful. It doesn't matter how other people see you. It matters how God sees you. 
doesn't matter how other people see it matters how God sees you. And um, I've got an example on how, how um, this is so important not to be so concerned about how other people view you. Um, this week, there was a bit of a kerfuffle that happened. I'm not sure if you heard about this. I was reading ABC News this week, and it, it turns out that um, Captain Crunch is in a bit of a controversy. You heard about it? <laughs> this is amazing. Captain Crunch, um, this blogger writes that Captain Crunch is, um, he's not a real captain, because um, he has this naval uniform and um, the designation on who is a captain is typified by how many stripes they have or how many bars they have. And because Captain Crunch only has three bars or three stripes, he's really only a commander. <laughs> and, and not a real captain. And, and, and Captain Crunch, believe it or not, he actually has a YouTube broadcast, a weekly YouTube broadcast. I can't make this up. And, and he took some time this week to respond to this criticism. I want to read you his statement. Um, Captain Crunch said, I stand before you today to answer the ridiculous accusations leveled against me by certain swift-boating talk show host rivals that I, Captain Crunch, am not a real captain. Um, he goes on to say that you'll notice a few other things about me that don't seem le- real, like the fact that I only have four fingers. Yeah. Um, the fact that my mate's name, my first mate is a dog. Um, the fact that my eyebrows are attached to my hat. It's true. And then he goes on to uh, thank his supporters and the people that have stood by him during this difficult time. <laughs> Let me tell you something. All of my life, that man has been a captain. (laughs) And if he can be a captain, you can be a royal priest. (laughs) After all, Captain Kangaroo isn't a real kangaroo, and Sergeant Slaughter isn't a real sergeant, and uh, Dr. Uh, J is not a real doctor, and... King James, King LeBron James, not a real king. Um, But it only matters how God views you. It only matters how God views you. And so in light of how God views you, how should we respond to pain and problems and pressure? These are the last four things. This is the prescription. This is what we've come today to understand. So we, we understand how God views us. We're royalty, we're chosen, we're set apart, we're holy. That's how he looks at us. In spite of what happened yesterday, that's how he looks at us. And so now, here's the prescription for us to be able to respond to the difficulties in life. Number one, understand I am a part of something greater than myself. Verse number nine, but you are not like that. You are chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can... Show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into this wonderful light. You are a part of something greater. And, and who better to talk about being a part of something greater than Peter himself? Peter, who was having a conversation with Jesus, and, and Jesus said, well, who, who, who do people say that I am? And Peter says, well, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus said, well, flesh and blood hasn't revealed that to you, but my father must have, must have revealed that to you. And he looked at Peter and said, thou art Peter, thou art Petra, or little rock, but upon this rock, which is the lively stone, Jesus, the cornerstone, upon this rock, I will 
will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. In other words, he gave Peter an opportunity to be a part of something greater than himself. Yes, Peter, you're a rock, but you're just a part of a larger temple, a larger building. And isn't it great to be a part of something greater than yourself? I'm so thankful to be a part of Heartland Church, to be a part of a body of believers here in Indianapolis, to have a small group, to have a a close-knit family, to have a God that thinks that I'm good enough to be set apart and to be chosen. And so point number one of the prescription is that you are a part of something greater than yourself. Point number two, um, I can overcome all odds and obstacles. I can overcome. This is This is how you respond in light of pain, problems, and pressure. I can overcome all odds and obstacles. Verse number eight, and he is the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they do not obey God's word, and so they meet the fate that was planned for them. But you're not like that. You are a chosen people. You can overcome all obstacles and odds. And can I just share with you that... um, I'm a witness of being able to overcome obstacles and odds because I didn't finish the story about trying out for the football team. Um, I actually made the team. (laughs) Yep, there it is. Uh, University of Alabama, no disrespect to Notre Dame or anybody else, but uh, uh, more national championships than any other university. And uh, I got a part... I got a chance to be a part of something great. SEC football, the NCAA, uh, I'm now an athlete, and, and there I am. Um, but, but, if you, but if you look at that picture, that actually was after the game, and my uniform is just as clean. Um, <laughs> after the game, as it was uh, before the game, and so I got to come clean here. The reality is I didn't play much. I'll say that again, just in case you didn't hear me. I didn't play much. Um, I was on the, um, I was on the, um, well, I wasn't on the first string, and uh, I wasn't on the second string, and I, I wasn't on the third string. There I am taking pictures on the sidelines during the game, <laughs> and uh, and uh, I was somewhere around the fourth or the fifth string, and um, and I just want to pause here to say to you that um, we're not bench warmers. Um, because we don't get an opportunity to sit the bench. Um, the bench is reserved for the offense and the defense, the starters, when they come off the field. <laughs> so we actually had to stand the entire game. And uh, we're not scrubs and we're not tackling dummies. We're real people with feelings. <laughs> and uh, so I made the team and I overcame those odds. And, and no matter what the obstacle was, I was able to overcome it just as an example. And if I could do that, then I believe that we can receive the fact that we're chosen people. And that we're royalty. And we can overcome the odds that God has for us. Well, uh, the third one is I'll leave no room for being less than my best. 11th verse. Dear friends. I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your souls. This is what causes your mind to be cluttered. The fact that you're so concerned about what other people think and what they say, and it dissuades you from the beautiful things that God has for you. And you end up turning, if you're not careful, to vices like alcoholism and promiscuity and just foolishness. Now, you can turn to those things if you desire, or you can be clear and open for God to fulfill you with the beautiful things that he has for you. 
And I would suggest to you that you remember not to leave any room for being any less than your best. And the last point of this prescription, point number four, I will remember I am being watched. Verse number 12, be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. You are being watched. Now God's not a micromanager, but he, um, he is concerned about the details. He, uh, he, he's concerned about making sure you're in the right place to receive your blessing. And uh, can I conclude just by telling you about um, the, the one opportunity I had to make, make a, a name for myself or the one opportunity I had. Um, okay, let me just put it this way. I, got, I, got, I had one catch. I was the wide receiver on the football team and I had one catch. And can I tell you about my one catch? I had one catch, and here, here was the one catch. Um, it wasn't in a game. <laughs> it, it actually was uh, during the scrimmage. Um, it's called the A-Day game, and, and we invite um, people from the public to be able to, to see the game, and so it was a scrimmage. And, um, but I had an opportunity. I'm standing on the sidelines, and I, I actually had to share another number with another teammate Uh, because I wasn't a first stringer. And so when the coach called my number, I wasn't sure that he was talking about me. And so I said, okay, you're talking about me? Yes, you're talking about me. I'm the little guy right there. If you look really, really hard, I'm the little guy right there. And so the coach called me in and said that, said, it's my time to get on the field. And so I went running on the field and uh, and there I am. Um, I'm in the huddle and the quarterback calls my play. He calls my play. He calls the play for me to catch the ball, for me to get the ball. And so we say, all right, break. And, and I run out and uh, I line up and this is my big play. This is my opportunity. And uh, I look at the quarterback and the quarterback looks at me. And at just that moment, um, at just that moment, the quarterback notices that the defense has called the blitz. Now a blitz is when they send extra pressure or, or um, there is more heat or more problems that's coming from the opposition. And so the defense now has called a blitz or they're going to send more pressure and, and the quarterback then calls an audible. An audible is when you change the play because of what the defense has called. And so the quarterback signals to me the audible, which means I have to run a hot route. What's a hot route? I'm glad you asked. And so a hot route is when you don't go where you were going to go, but now you go where the ball is going to be. I'll say that again. The ball doesn't come where you are, but you go now where the ball is going to be. And so um, the play has been changed, and uh, I'm there, and I'm lined up, and I'm ready to go. And at that moment in my mind, all types of distractions start happening. And um, have you ever been to the biggest moment of your life and it seems like you just couldn't clear your mind? And uh, there I am, the, the quarterback has given me the signal and I'm hearing the cheerleaders talk about we're number one, we can't be number two, we're going to beat the whoopsie out of you. And I'm hearing the band uh, playing Sweet Home Alabama and, and, and the crowd is standing to their feet trying to figure out who are these fourth and fifth stringers. And, and, and there I am just trying to run my play and catch the ball and there's one more obstacle in front of me. And it's, it's the defensive back. And even after all of that, I still have to elude one more person. Have you ever gotten to a point where there's just one more obstacle, one more thing that you have to overcome. And if you can overcome this, maybe you can get to where God wants to bless you. And so I've got to run the hot hot route. And he says, hike, the ball is snapped, and I do my little move, and I elude the defense, 
and I caught the ball. I appreciate that. There was no write-up in the paper about, <laughs> about my catch and uh, my parents. They weren't there. They didn't even know what was going on at the time. And, um, but the reality is, as I conclude, God is the quarterback of our lives. And uh, the enemy too often will send pressure and pain and problems. They're going to send a blitz. That's not the time to have a cluttered mind. That's the time to have a clear mind, understanding how God views you. That quarterback still thought enough of little old me to give me an opportunity to throw the ball. And God thinks enough of us the same way. But in life, sometimes an audible is called where we have to run a hot route. We actually have to not be where we thought we were going to be. The blessing isn't going to come to us, but we actually have to go to that place where the blessing will be. And I don't know what that place is for you. Maybe it's, maybe it's in a small group where you can be blessed. Maybe that place of blessing is in this pool so that you can be baptized and allow God to work a wonderful transformation in your life. Maybe that place is down here in the front giving your life to Christ setting yourself on course for a brand new day. I don't know. But I know as long as you're open and clear, God's going to handle the tacklers. He's going to handle the rush. He's going to call the audible. He's going to do all the hard work. He just wants us to be open and clear. That little play 14 years ago was the most insignificant play of the game. But 14 years later, if anyone, if one person was encouraged by this little talk, what was the most insignificant play now becomes the only play that matters. And just like that, Jesus, the one that was rejected, the rock, the stone that they looked over, they disregarded, has now become the chief cornerstone. And he says these final words in verse 6. Peter, if you choose him, you'll never be ashamed. That word in the Greek, ume, uh, which means absolutely never. It's only used about 51 times. It means that God will never disgrace you. You will never be ashamed if you choose him. Do you receive that today? God bless you. I'd like to, I'd like to, the privilege of being able to pray with you. Now, would you bow your heads? Precious Father, we thank you for this awesome opportunity to be able to learn from your holy words. Thank you for empowering Peter to share with the church many years ago and as a result with us today. Now, dear God, remind us continually how you view us how you look at us. Lord, we receive those affirmations. And in light of those things, help us to appropriately respond to the difficulties of life, the struggles, the pain, knowing that always you're up to something. Thank you for being up to something. Lord, would you do it for us all? 
We pray these blessings now in Jesus' name. Amen.